You're listening to a podcast from Turners Hill Free Church. For more information and resources, visit turnershillfreechurch.org.uk. We can't start without a collective kiss. <laughs> Still waiting for somebody to answer to that. A collective hug. Um... We are being baptized in water, not in vinegar, not in, in, uh, in lemon juice. So we are not this type of Christians. We are this type of Christian. Yahoo! Uh, we are the type of people when they say, well, we all go to heaven. We say, yahoo! We are the type of people when we say, Jesus loves us. We say, yahoo! When we say, God is our Father. <laughs> Good. You're learning very quickly. Uh, my precious friends, my beautiful friends, you cannot imagine how beautiful you are um, because you reflect the glory of God. We have something unique, something extremely special. If we read in the Bible about the great man of God, like, say, Moses, what a man, what a man, somebody who could speak to God face to face like a man talks to a friend, somebody who is chosen by God and set aside to change the history of mankind, a pivotal point in the history of our human race, will witness the most extraordinary signs and wonders never done before and never repeated, a man who can spend 40 days and 40 nights. No one did that. Not even our Lord Jesus. With no water, no food on the top of a mountain in the presence of God. A man like that. And then he was touched by the Holy Spirit. And we know from the Bible that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him and upon the elders in, on, in the camp and even the elders that were out of the camp of Israel and they prophesied. The Spirit was upon him. He touched, the Holy Spirit touched him and went. A man like Elijah, a man who can say, for the sake of the God of Israel, whose presence I stand. Hey, this guy was standing in the presence of God all the time. A man who prays and calls fire from heaven. Fire, not rain. Fire coming from heaven. They consume the stones and the water and the sacrifice and everything. Thank you, my brother. And, and wow, and all the fire came up. This man is touched by the Holy Spirit. A man like King David who gave us these beautiful psalms that the soul of man is exposed in all his beauty, in all his the glory of the soul, or the soul of man, the beauty of the soul of man, the power of the soul of man, the love of the soul of man, the honesty, the brutal honesty of, of a man like that who exposed himself to all generations to come. And we know the secrets of his heart. And when he's anointed by Samuel, the prophet Samuel, the Holy Spirit was with them for all the rest of his life. Isaiah probably the greatest of all the prophets, the one who saw the crucifixion, the one who saw the sacrificial self-sacrifice of the Messiah, the one who prophesied all that was going to happen, even at the end of times. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
all these people, we will see them when Jesus comes back in glory with them and they will be in his triumph. Silence, Isaiah, Moses, Elijah. And yet, we have something that they didn't have. They have the Holy Spirit upon them, touching them, with them, speaking to them. And they were speaking with what they were hearing, what I hear from God. Micahiah, who was commanded by the emissary of the king, he says, say something nice to the king, say something nice. He says, no, 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 no. What the Lord will speak, I will say. What I hear from God. You know, he was attentively listening to the Lord. But we have something that even him didn't have. He could hear the voice of God. But when we prophesy, we don't listen attentively. Lord, what are you saying? It comes out of us. We have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And the fullness of the Spirit of God in us. All of God. All of God. And not just, you know, I'm a big guy. And, you know, and so there's plenty to fill. But, you know, you had a very slim, tiny little girl. And, and, but the same spirit was in me, is in you, Sarah. It's the same spirit. I'm an old man. You're a young woman. Does it get older when he's in me and when he's younger than you? It's the same spirit. The creator spirit, present at creation. The spirit of God was over and over the waters and was there creating and giving life and giving light and giving truth and imparting the power of God in all creation. That same spirit, ba-boom, bam, all of it. All of it. It's a him. All of it is in me and is in you. The miracle of Pentecost is exactly this. The fulfillment of the prophecy of joy when it says, and I will put my spirit, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was just them touching this one, touching that one, touching... The Holy Spirit touched the elders who were prophesying. A word was coming out. Even King Saul would fail. The settlement was touched by the Holy Spirit. Yoo-hoo-hoo! And play the prophet. You know, it was, I can't go under the power of the Holy Spirit. I started prophesying. You know, he was touching him. And, and, he, and he was failing his power. But then off he went. And another spirit had to. But we have that fullness in us. This is the miracle of Pentecost. The miracle of Pentecost. We heard a story, and we heard the sermon of Peter. And what happened in this man, a man that Peter was a rough Galilean. He spoke with a strong accent. I don't know what it would have been in this country, a Yorkshire accent or something that is very difficult to understand, or something, a Manchurian accent, I don't know. He had calluses in his hands. He was a redneck, a rough guy. He made a living fishing. This is what, this, it was not an intellectual. Yes, he was with Jesus for three and a half years. But that man on the day of Pentecost, when he is filled with the Holy Spirit, stands up and he speaks. What a simple, gentle, little sermonette he gave us. Nothing that, uh, that, uh, that uh, big creature, you know, 
like Jeff, will have a, they will take as a model, and well, you know, really, you know, there is much more there. What is, what is this theology? I mean, it's a little bit of shallow of that. It doesn't really go deep. It doesn't expand. What is quotation? There's only one quotation. And it sustain all the things, and only one quotation. No, really, that is not a model. Not, I wouldn't do that. But he did it, and there was so much power in what he was saying that Babin. 3,000 people were touching the deepest part of their heart and they gave their life to Jesus. Like, what shall we do, brothers? Their hearts were rendered because there was power in his voice, because something happened inside him. The Spirit of the Lord came inside him and joined with his own spirit into wine with his spirit and the words that he was speaking were pregnant with the presence of the Holy Spirit and his words touching the ears of people went deep inside their heart and rendered it broke their hearts they were deep inside them and they said what shall we do we, we want that what do you have we want it we wanted to receive it and they got it and that promise became a reality. We say that the church was born on the day of Pentecost. No, the church was already there. The church was already there. There's 120 people that were gathered together. And they had a recognized leadership. You know, Peter stood up and represented the old church and spoke out and quoted scriptures. They had scriptures. They, and they were praying together. They elected a replacement for Judas the traitor. So what I see is a group of people that they witnessed the death and resurrection of Jesus, knew that Jesus was the Messiah, they knew that it was saved through the blood of Jesus, were in unity of one accord. When we are in one accord, together, sharing the same faith, the same beliefs, the same life, the same leadership, the same scriptures, Praying together, knowing that our prayers, our collective prayers, are raised up to God and accept as one prayer. What is that? That is church. This is what church is all about. Just being together in the perfect unity of love and, and, and understanding and, the, and recognizing our leadership and being organized. Even the organization was there. You know, they had to elect another, another one, and they elected it, they, they sorted out whatever they did. So that the church was already there, but there was something missing. Something missing. It's like, you know, having a beautiful, you have a brand new car. Imagine, Nick, which car do you want? A Rolls Royce? No, it's too big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's brand new, brand new, brand new. And it's absolutely new tires, absolutely new tires, brand new, a new battery. And you go into the car, it smells new. And you have a smell of new car, and the smell of a new car is delicious and, and beautiful, fantastic. And this beautiful car, and he says, I'm going to have an outing with all my family. I'm going to Brighton. Um, and, uh, and, and all the neighbors looking, oh, well, that beautiful new car. Well, that's a great new car. He's very proud of his beautiful new car. And he goes into new car and <coughs> turns the key. <coughs> Nothing happens. And all the neighbors are watching Nick with his new car. And <coughs> and, <coughs> and, <coughs> and, <coughs> and says, I'm going to Brighton. And so 
he gingerly opens the door and put down a foot and he started pushing, pushing, <laughs> pushing. And the car started moving and moving and he started going towards Brighton. Ah, have a nice day. He will arrive in Brighton. It will take about 10 days and then he will have a brand new shoe and a totally worn out shoe and it will be 10 kilos slimmer. It's already quite slim, but you know, it will be even slimmer than that. And what was missing? He forgot something. He forgot to put the fuel inside the car. <gasps> and the car is brand new. Nothing has to be changed. It's been done beautifully. And it, nothing has to be added. Nothing has to be taken away. But without that fuel, the beautiful car serves no purpose. The church of the apostolic times with Peter as the leader joined together 120 people and all together... They were afraid, they were locked together, they were ineffective, they didn't go anywhere. But the moment the Holy Spirit fell upon them, ba-boom, the only thing they did, the first thing they did, they went out. They went out. The first thing they did, they preached the gospel with the boldness never seen before. No one ever preached with such boldness and with such effectiveness. Such effectiveness. And when the Holy Spirit came, something happened there. And Peter himself said it. You know, you hear what you see, what you hear is the fulfillment of the prophecy. This is it. This is it. We don't have to wait for anything else. What has been promised is here. And it happened. And it happened. But have you ever thought, why do we need that? There was already a church. Yes, maybe they could find a different way to go out. What, what, what is, what, why, why did God have that, why did he have that plan to pour his spirit on all flesh, on everyone, small and big, educated and uneducated, old and young, everyone with no distinction. And there were people with that moment on the day of Pentecost, people from all around the world known, all the Mediterranean area, they were all there. Different culture, different languages, all together. And why such a variety? Why just to, to, expand, to expand so much? Why did you want to do that? And how did it happen? How did it happen? Have you, ever thought, have you ever been in a situation in which you read something in the Bible and said, this is, sounds so good, oh, very good, but really? Is that for me? Is that for today? Have you ever thought about it? Ever thought about it? You know, I, 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 I got that. I got that. And, and it's many years ago, before many of you were born yet, and, and I was reading, and actually that is what the beginning of a deep transformation in my life. And I was reading from John 14, John 14, 12, which is an amazing verse, because our Lord Jesus, who is the truth, the truth made flesh, every single word that comes out of the mouth of Jesus is perfectly true. And Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than this he will do. Ha ha, Jesus, really? Me? 
I'm a believer, I believe in you, but Jesus, greater works than what you did? Really? Have you ever thought about that? What is your reaction when you hear these words? When Jesus says to each one of us, he says, you will do much greater works than anything I ever done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus, really? I believe you, Lord. I trust you blindly. But are you sure? Who, me? Me, Nick? Me, Sarah? Me? Could it be the other guy? You know, he's much bigger. He can do it, you know. But me, all the big men in the platform, all these big names, you know, prophets so-and-so, apostles so-and-so, big guy so-and-so, you know, super bishop, whatever. Um, he will do it. But me? And no, Jesus says, the believers... There's no other requirement to believers and greater, even greater works. How could that be? How could that be? Jesus raised the dead. I never raised anyone from the dead, honestly. I know, I know people, not yet, actually, but um, if there is a volunteer, we can try. <laughs> no one. What? Um, And uh, uh, yeah, some prophetic words, you know, sometimes they get it right, you know, not all the time. I pray for some people who are healed, you know, some, some were, some were not. Um, and what else? I mean, Jesus changed water into wine, I would like that. So, you know, saves a lot from the grocery shopping and said, um, I never done that. And Jesus, Still the storm, I will like, <laughs> Lord, change the weather. I know, I command the clouds to go away. Sun, shine, come out, shine, warm, hot. Never happened. Well, actually, actually, it happened once. We, we prayed and it rained. Um, um, when there were no, no clouds in the sky, that was quite something. Another, another story. Um, but greater works, greater works, that... How does... Are you convinced that this is true? Yes. You look at me. <laughs> mm. Are you If Jesus said so, it must be so. And he said, yes, greater works he will do. And he gave us a key to understand how that could be possible. Because he said, because I go to my Father... So there is a link between Jesus going to the Father and us, little us, little insignificant, normal, plain men and women, yes, believers, yes, Christians, yes, they will do greater works than what Jesus did. And Jesus himself, a little bit later, talking to the disciples, and he said, well, uh, in John 16, 17, he said, it's for your advantage that I go away. Hey, wait a second. Wouldn't it be so wonderful to have Jesus with us? Wouldn't it be fantastic that after the resurrection, Jesus came back and stayed here, established his kingdom, all the works would have been done by now. Can you imagine that if Jesus stayed here? And actually said, bye guys. And off he went. Jesus, please stay. No, off he went. 
And he says, for your advantage. How could that be? What is our advantage? Is to have Jesus physically present, not just living by faith in our hearts, but physically present here. You know, being our King, our Lord, our Messiah, our Guide, everything, and being with us. No, he says, for your advantage, I go away. Because if I do not go away, the Helper will not come. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, he says, will not come. So there is a connection between Jesus going and taking himself away and taking himself in the heavenly places and going back to the Father so that the Holy Spirit could come. And then he says, if I depart, if I go, I will send him to him. How how does it work? What is the actually the Lord saying to us? Well, we had to start from the very beginning. At the beginning is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we may understand a little bit better why there are these three persons when we know that God is love. And we said that before, that, that if there was only one person in the Godhead, God will have denied his own nature because if he was only alone, how could it be a God of love? There would be no one to love. But this free person exists in a relationship of love from eternity to eternity, from everlasting to everlasting. And they, and they pour this love on one another continuously. And these three persons exist in a relational type of existence in which each one, the nature of each one, is determined by the other two. The Father, God the Father, is a father because he's a son. His own nature is determined by the existence of another one. That makes us think so much in our own relationship. That's another story. And God the Son is a son and is perfectly happy to be son and act as son and live as son and relate as son because there's a father. But these two persons have something unique that no one else has. I share everything with Catherine, my wife, everything we have, we jointly own it, we share the ministry, we are prayer partners, we pray together, I share the secrets of my heart with her, I open my heart, my thoughts, my desire, my frustration, everything. We share everything, literally, but as spirit as spirit, and my spirit is my spirit. We will never, never mix together. Um, we have married, we have one flesh, yes, but separate spirits. But God the Father, God the Son, are the two, these unique persons, who share the same spirit. And that makes it perfectly one, the same spirit. But there is something in that unity of the spirit that makes us think how we can have the same. Because these two persons want to share with us all what God has invested in man, we will never be able to grasp it. What God has done of us, we will never understand it. When God created everything, everything that existed and then created Adam, this amazing, amazing, amazing creation, Adam is the only one who partakes of the spiritual and the natural. Have you ever thought about it? He's shaped out of clay, this beautiful body made by God, and he's part of all that he created, all the universe and the stars and the planets and, and, and wow, boom, bam, and everything that is the infinite, and, and then the plants and the animals, all that is on this earth, and Adam is part of that. 
the fact that it is coming out of clay and God shaped it out of clay is to stress the, the, the carnality, the, the, the material aspect, the created aspect of, of Adam. But then God breathes into his nostril and breathes the spirit that comes out of him. And because God is the living God, life comes into Adam. And because God is love, love comes into Adam. And the first emotion that he came is feels when he opens his eyes and he knows that he's a living being and he sees the face of his father because he has no sin and so he can see God and he sees the face of his father and, and he loves him and this unique being created to be the link between the spiritual and the natural in which God invests his own spirit and he wants his spirit to be there and this spirit brings life into Adam. And, and that, that when, when the Bible tells us that God was created in the image of God, that spirit carries the image of God, the nature of God. If you like the DNA, the genes, the character, the personality, all that God is has been invested into this unique creation. And the failure of Adam, and even the failure of the human race is that then we forget we forget what we should be like and we separate, we want to be independent and as we are independent we are not like God because these two persons from whom the spirit proceeds father and son depend one on the other the father can be father because he's a son the son can be son because he's a father and we want to be our own without our father and then we fail and we do not reflect the image of God that is what sin, failure Fall of man is all about. And so God wants us back to be in his own image, to be partakers of his own nature. And we know what the plan of God is. And he sent his only son among us to take away our sins so that we can be reconciled to him. And But we have to be reconciled to him for a purpose, for a reason, not just to be saved from our own sins, but to go back into that walk with them in order that we can reflect his own nature and be again like him. And so Jesus, who is God the Son, and who is the eternal Messiah, is the eternal Christ, the eternal anointed of God, that is in the heavenly places with the Father and filled with the Holy Spirit, in obedience to the Father, acting as Son, in obedience and obedience with the Father, makes himself a man. And we read in Philippians 2 that when then, although he's God, he didn't consider his equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. What does it mean? He, he emptied himself. What does it mean that he emptied himself? With what or with whom was he filled? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit dwells in him because it's perfectly united to the Father, and the same Spirit fills the Father, fills the Son. But when he becomes a man like us, when he humbles himself, comes down, he makes us in the image of like a bone servant, like the old lowest of the lowest. And think about it, Jesus didn't come as a redeemed man. He comes to embrace an unredeemed sinful even if he is not with no sins whatsoever, he comes and embraces humanity to the lowest status, 
not to the exalted status of Adam before the fall, but to the lowest status of fallen man. He becomes the lowest of the lowest. And he leaves his spirit. He leaves that joining with the spirit, with the Holy Spirit in the heavenly places. He's emptied himself. He comes as the babe among us with zero power. He can't do a thing. When Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary, he can only say, wah, wah, and suck from his mother. I can't do anything. He's totally powerless. And all, all his secret years, when he lived in Nazareth, the son of a carpenter, learning a trade from his father, he did nothing. He simply did nothing. We know a little bit from Luke when he was 12 years old and Jesus is in Jerusalem with Mary and Joseph and they lose him and can you imagine these two going on their knees in front of God and say, God, we lost your son. Well, that was pretty, pretty harsh on these two poor, poor, simple people from a little village in Nazareth. <laughs> and and then they, they found him and, and Jesus answered back to his mother, this is not very... It's not something that you like to read to your children. You know, he answered back to his mother. He says, don't you know that I'm out of my father's business? Why do we have that story? It's not edifying. I never find it very edifying anyhow. Uh, but because Luke wants us to know that Jesus was aware of being the Son of God. He was aware of being the Messiah, even when he was 12 years old. And, and he was able to discuss with the priest and the daughters of the Lord, the Pharisee, in the temple. Because the fullness of the knowledge of God was already in him, and because he is God. And yet he did nothing. Because he was not yet filled with the Holy Spirit. But when he is baptized by John and the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he needed the Holy Spirit as we all need the Holy Spirit. There was no power in him. If he wanted to heal the sick, he could not do that. If he wanted to raise the dead, he could not do that. And he didn't. Still in obedience to his father, he's waited for the right moment. But the father said, Now it is, son, now you can go. Now is the time to do it. And he goes, and he goes to John, and John says, Well, I, I, I should be baptized by you. He says, Let all righteousness be done. Let the plan of God be implemented. This is what Jesus was saying to John. Let's be obedient, you and me, you to the same God, my father, and that it will become your father eventually and then Jesus is filled with all the spirit the Holy Spirit falls upon him and then we know the spirit leads him into the desert and then from that moment on Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit was present with him to perform miracles the Holy Spirit leads Jesus so Jesus is full with the Holy Spirit and has all these signs and wonders and miracles all his ministry under the power of the Holy Spirit it's the Holy Spirit will guide us. It's the Holy Spirit will lead us. The Holy Spirit will allow us to perform all the signs and the wonders and the miracles. And because Jesus has no sins whatsoever, the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit is in Him. 
God was so pleased in Colossians says, you know, to please to have the fullness of the Spirit in him, the fullness of the Godhead in him, the fullness of God in him, the fullness of the Spirit. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is closely linked with a with join with the human spirit of Jesus and together they do the signs and wonders, the miracles, one after the other, all the miracles that Jesus did, all the signs that Jesus did. And the power and authority that comes from whatever he teaches, whatever he says. And again, I want to say, because he has no sins whatsoever, the Spirit could flow through him with no hindrance whatsoever. And he did all, all that we read about. And, and John said he did even more than that. Not all the volumes of the world would be sufficient to record all that. We have just a little glimpse of what Jesus did. And yet he says that we will do greater works. Ha! Huh. When was the last time you raised somebody from the dead, Mick? Yesterday? No, was it really dead? No. Was it really? No. Maybe not. Ha! Uh, huh. Oh, you know, and he did everything. And then when Jesus is on the cross, and when he completes all the works that the Father has given to him, and he stays there on that cross up to the last moment, and when he is there, and, he, and, he, and the last word says, it's finished, it's done, it's completed, I've done it, I've done what my Father wanted me to do, I did it up to the last bit of moment. And just before he dies, says, Father, into your hands I surrender my spirit. He gives the spirit back to the Father. The work is done. It's finished. It's finished. And then he already said to his disciples, it's for your advantage that I go, because otherwise I will not. I will not be able to do it. And, and on the day of Pentecost, this dear man, Peter, this rough Galilean, speaking with a terrible accent, he, he said in his plane exactly what happened. And then he said, you know, this Jesus that you crucified, and this Jesus God has raised, of which we have witnessed, we saw him, we saw him raised, and therefore being exalted at the right hand of God, he ascended, he went up to God, he went up to the Father, he went to the eternal light, he is there waiting to come back for us, and having received, here, Receive from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. It poured out. Do you see how it works? You know, Jesus is one with the Father and the Spirit. Leaves the Spirit there. Comes like any one of us. Totally powerless. When, until we receive the Spirit, we can't do a thing. And then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He does all his works under the power of the Holy Spirit. And then on the cross, finishes his work, he says, Father, here he is. I'll give it back to you. I will come. Because you promise, you promise through the prophet Joel to pour this wonderful Spirit, your Spirit was also my Spirit, on everyone. I had to come back to you because I surrendered to you. And I will pour it with you. And I pour it. He, Jesus, pour out this which you see, now see and hear. Because when the Spirit comes, the Spirit touches our senses, works in our senses. It doesn't work in an empty space. It's not somewhere. It comes in and we feel it and we know it and it burns and it's fire and it manifests himself. 
That's the way. And we need that spirit. The apostles needed that spirit because otherwise they couldn't do anything. And when they ask King Jesus, says, Will you, this is the time you establish the kingdom, you establish the kingdom of Israel. And Jesus says, Well, no, 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 you, you will, don't worry about that. It's not now the time. But says, But wait, wait, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8 it says, You shall receive power. He didn't say, you shall receive little butterflies and you will see little angels singing and you will just feel good because the Holy Spirit is in you. No, power, boom. That is the power, the strength of God, the energy of God, the awe, awe of God comes. And because God is one, cannot be divided where the Spirit is, Jesus is, and the Father is, and the fullness of God, eh? the fullness of God comes upon us. And he told the disciples at the end of the Gospel of Luke, he says, don't do anything. Just wait until you receive power from above. And you will be clothed with power, will be covered with power, and the power will come. And then you shall be my witness. Don't even try to do it without it. Don't even try because you can't. You fail. You will go nowhere. You will be frustrated. He will be like going with your car from here to Brighton with no fuel whatsoever. You can do it, maybe, you know, if you don't get frustrated along the way, it says enough is enough. But it's incredible effort. But when you got that power, pachang, you, off you go, off you go. And that power is a power that is not just in it. It is a power that manifests itself. You remember when, when, when Peter goes to Cornelius and, and he goes to Cornelius and, and, and he preaches to them. And again, his words are so pregnant. Preaches to Cornelius and the household. The words of Peter are pregnant. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our words are pregnant. Do you know that? What does it mean pregnant? It is life. And we are given us a life. And our words, you know, you can hear two sermons identical from the man who is filled with the Spirit and the man who is not filled with the Spirit. And the man with no Holy Spirit, beautiful, beautiful presentation, beautiful theology, profound and so on. And it's like water on a stone. And then you have the man filled with the Holy Spirit. Same words, same theology, same concepts, same ideas, same beautiful talks, beautiful words, well selected, well presented, very clever, very intelligent. The same thing exactly. But the one with the Holy Spirit is like water on a sponge. He goes inside. He's taken in. Because the Holy Spirit penetrates in the deepest part of our being. My words are words of a man. The words of the Spirit are the words of God. If I speak your words of man, would be nothing and will do nothing to you. Nothing. But if any one of us, no matter who he is, could be a child, could be a totally uneducated person, cannot read and write, could be a savage from the jungle, whoever, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit, that will change lives that will be a life-giving experience 
Because the Holy Spirit is the only one who can penetrate in us. And Jesus said to the disciples, I, I will send the Holy Spirit. Remember when he said that in John 14, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit, but the world cannot receive it. But you will have it because it will be with you, it will be in you. It will be with you forever. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, it joins together into one with our own human spirit. And the two become one and can never be separated. It's just together. 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 And so my words become his words, his words become my words, his actions become my actions, his thoughts become my thoughts. And the Holy Spirit was in me, in the same way that my spirit needs to be refined, it needs to grow, it needs to be mature, it needs to go stronger and stronger. And with the word, with the worshiping, with communion, with the, with the communion of the believers and learning from one another and building one another up and encouraging one another. In the same way there is this work all around me, the Holy Spirit works inside me. And the Holy Spirit also changes me. He's not just there to give me power. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, We were not given a spirit of timidity or fear. We were given a spirit of power, love, and discipline. Romans 5.5 Hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. How can I love as God loves? Without the Holy Spirit. It would be human love. It would be an emotional love. It would be an attraction love. It would be a lustful love. If you, I don't know. It could be a superficial love. But it becomes the love of God. And the love of God is not an emotional love. It's a love in action and a sacrificial love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How can I love like that? How can I say I give all of myself to my brethren? I give all myself for the unbelievers. I give all myself, I die to myself for those who are outside. How can I do that without the Holy Spirit? Unless I have the love of God poured inside me by the Holy Spirit. It's not just the power. Yes, we need the power. We need the signs. We need the wonders. We need to raise the dead. But it's that love that compels me. And Paul says, the love of Christ compels us. Is the motivation, is longing, longing as God longs for souls. Mad in love with the soul of man. May falling in love for the person who is in front of you and you look at him and, and you want to smother him and love him and you want to give him the best things that you can give him and give him the gospel because it's his salvation, his life eternal for the person who accepts that. And we have that power in us manifested through the love of God. And not only that, but he says also in 2 Corinthians 3.19, we are transformed from glory to glory in the likeness of Christ, of the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works, manifesting itself outside with the words, the signs, the gestures, and the love that can pour on others. And at the same time, it changes us. And it's a continuous work of reshaping us and making us more and more and more and more and more like Jesus our Lord. And as we become more like Him, more of His works we will do. These words in John 14, 12 can be achieved only in one way as we become more and more like Him. 
And so we need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is constantly, day and night, day and night, even when we are asleep, even when we scratch our head, brush our teeth, you know, poking our ears, poking our nose, get bored, watch cartoons, do whatever you want to do, kick a ball or whatever, play games, you know, whatever, be full of pranks and so on and whatever. <laughs> and be childish, whatever you like, or be bored or whatever. The Holy Spirit is still at work. And he never stops. He never stops. There are so many that would like the Holy Spirit to retire. <laughs> to go down to the Garden of Eden and look after the roses in the Garden of Eden. We present the Holy Spirit like a dove and we, we were like a little cage. Put the dove in the cage and finish. I remember in a church, in a church in London, I saw there was a sign. Keep the door closed, otherwise the pigeons will come in. And I said... This is prophetic. Uh, yeah. This is prophetic. You know, keep the door closed. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit will come in. Oh dear, oh dear, what is going to do? Oh dear, oh dear. Oh dear. But it's transformation that we need. But that power is manifested in ways that we can see. Going back to Cornelius, and we were talking about Cornelius, and, and Peter goes to Cornelius, and the word of Peter is so powerful that the Holy Spirit falls on these people who are not baptized. And how do we know? How do we know that the Holy Spirit was upon them? Did we see a dove coming in? No, they heard him prophesying. Glorifying God and speaking in tongues. Tongues is an outward sign that, yes, the Holy Spirit is a work inside us. And then in, 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 uh, in Acts 19, when, when Paul, goes to go, Paul goes to the Ephesians and says, Have you received the Holy Spirit? Good, what's that? He says, Have you received the Holy Spirit? We don't know the reason, Holy Spirit, we never heard about it. And he says, have you been baptized with the baptist of John? Well, that's the baptist of repentance. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That is the outward sign that you are born again, that you are a new creation, that you come up to a new life in Christ. And so Paul baptized this guy, lay hands on them, ba-boom, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-
with the sign. And Jesus says, you know, if you don't believe me, believe the signs. And what can we say? Believe my words, sometimes are boring. Yeah. They convince no one. And less and less and less, our words will have an effect on the world. And more and more and more, the world will need the signs. I remember once in, in I mean, it was Uganda or whatever, um, we were doing, Kat and I were doing, I think it was three-day seminars for Christian leaders or something, and they were mainly young people, young men, young women, and, and it was a fascinating experience. And, and the first day, an old, really old woman came in, and she had a straw mat and put the straw mat right in front there and sat there, and she was staring at me all the time. And she did nothing, she said nothing. She was sitting there all the time. And I don't know how much she understood what I was saying. And, and, and then at, at the end, you know, there were honestly manifestations of the power of God and there were healing and signs and wonders and prophecies and people were slain the spirit and all these sort of things. And then they said, oh, there is a, a herbalist, a traditional medicine doctor who wants to give her life to Jesus. Oh, that sounds good. And it was that woman. She was a witch doctor. And she came with a plastic bag with all the, the tools of her trades. You know, there were spears, skins of animals, bones, probably even human bones, old coins, shells, all these sort of things. And she said she came to assess me. And then she said... I saw the real power. I don't want this anymore. And we made a bonfire of these things. And I, I remember it was the most extraordinary thing because we put a, a match to the plastic bag and it went, pa-boom, chump, and nothing was left. Like, not even the ashes disappeared in nothingness. Um, and this woman gave her life to the Lord. And then these young people took her away to baptize her. And she came to assess and she saw the power. She saw the real thing. How do we manifest that? How do we manifest it? The signs, the wonders, the healings, is just for the sake of being healed, okay, I'm good. and we do it in our churches, yes, but why not outside? No, why not outside? And, and we can say, well, who am I? Who am I? I'm too small for that. And so what? It's even better. Because the Holy Spirit resists the proud, but favors the humble. God favors the humble. If you believe that you are nothing, if you believe that you can do nothing, then you are in the right place. If you believe that you are not intelligent enough, you are in the right place. You are not educated enough, you are in the right place. You are too young, too old, too small. Whatever excuse you may find, it's you are in the right place. You are in the right place. I remember once I was preaching on that and somebody got very offended. You know, when, when Peter and John were, were arrested and by the Sanhedrin because they, they, there was a lame man at the, uh, at, outside the temple and going to the temple and, and, they, and the lame man was healed and, you know, that 
stir up a little bit of a few things. And um, it's extraordinary. You know, we have the manifestation of Pentecost, about 3,000 people saved, people being baptized in the water there, all the, and no one batted an eyelid, no one said anything. But when they perform a miracle, so healing of that magnitude, this man was born lame and suddenly is healed, and everyone sees that. The Sanhedrin didn't like it very much. And, and so they arrest him and they threaten him. And, and they said, you know, we will, if you keep preaching Jesus Christ, we will beat you up. And, and, and Peter said, Whoa, you obey God, not you. You can say whatever. And when they noticed that they were, the translations are very polite. They said they were uneducated, untrained men. Actually, the original Greek word is idiotai, from which our words idiots comes. In the eyes of the Shanadrin, these were simpletons. You know, fishermen from Galilee, what do they know? What do they know? Forget about it. And yet, they recognize the being with Jesus because they recognize the power, the authority that they had. It doesn't really matter. We all need that power. And there, yes, on the day of Pentecost, something happened, but then they went, they were threatened, and then they were arrested again, and they were beaten, and went back to their friends, they went back to the other disciples, and they prayed, and says, God, give us the bonus to keep preaching the gospel. And the house shook under the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit all over again. It's not just once. It's not just one. And Ephesians Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, that is dissipation, but keep being filled, filled, constantly filled. Keep drinking from the source. And you cannot have rivers or living waters coming out of your belly, as Jesus said, unless you fill yourself up. And what is this living water? But it's the Holy Spirit. He keep drinking, he keep receiving. How do I receive the Holy Spirit? It's by worship, by being together, by reading the Word. Yes, all these things. And I'm desiring the Holy Spirit and calling on the Spirit and using the gifts of the Spirit. And the more you use the gifts, the more the gifts comes more and the Spirit grows in the presence of the Spirit and the same Spirit that becomes more and more able to be manifested for you. And you will do it. And you will do it. And you will see the signs, the wonders, the miracles happening today. The Holy Spirit has not retired. Hallelujah. He will never retire. <laughs> he will never retire. He's not cultivating roses in the Garden of Eden. He's not a dove that has been put in a cage. He's still here dwelling in us. And how do we receive it? We pray for one another. Because this is the amazing miracles, another extraordinary miracles. You remember uh, the, the, the magician, you know, um, Simon the magician, he were looking what the disciples were doing and they were laying hands on the people and they see that that was the way the Holy Spirit was given from one another. And he says, I want that, here's money, here's money, money, money. You know, and Peter said, well, get out of the way, you son of whatever. And... Uh, and, and, and he sent them away. Um, and, and, and this guy repented, fortunately. He said, well, pray for me. I've done something wrong. It's a free gift that he's given. And what a gift. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us, living in us. And the fellowship. You know, when we say grace and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship 
for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit constantly with us. When Jesus says the Holy Spirit is with you and the world cannot receive it. Why? 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 Why the world cannot receive it? Because we need to be born again. There is something, the two things go together. When, when you know, John says, you know, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with fire. And it, it, from Jesus we have salvation. From Jesus we have life. From Jesus we have life eternal. And from Jesus we have a new spirit that God gives us when we say yes to Jesus. Something happens in us. You know, when in Romans 8, 15, it says, you're not receiving the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, the fear that entered into the heart of Adam, but you have received, it's given to us, a spirit of adoption as sons that make us cry out, Abba, Father. We need this brand new spirit. In 1 John 3, 9, the one who is born of God cannot sin anymore. A clean, pure spirit. When we say yes to Jesus, the old things have passed away. We become a new creation. And we need a brand new spirit that has no sin in it. Because the Holy Spirit is holy. And he will not join himself to anything which is unholy. He is light and will never join himself to darkness. His holiness, his purity. And he will never join himself to anything unclean and worldly and fleshy and carnal. He would only join to a pure spirit that God gives us when we say yes to Jesus and in intertwine with our spirit and these two together they do the most amazing things ever seen. And we do it. It's us. Not the man, the woman next to you. It's you. It's each one of us and we can be filled with the spirit any moment even now. And then work in the power of the Spirit. That's the miracle of Pentecost. And then everything is inside. It will come out of you. The prophetic words will come out of you because it speaks from inside. The healing will come out of you. It's, it's not what you do. It's not the formula. It's not shaking. You're not doing things. You know, in my generation, we were taught how to do things. You know, do this, do that. You know, like, do you remember that? You know, some, some of the older generations here will remember how we were taught how to pray for the sick. You know, put your head down and shake it three times. And, you know, the shaking. And then, and then we call on the right God. You know, to be sure that the call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't know whether I ever told you this story. Once I had a little tiny bit of a headache. Can I tell you this story? No. I had a little bit of a headache, and I went to a dear brother, dear godly man, man of God, filled with the Spirit, says, brother, please pray for me, I have a little bit of a headache. And this guy followed what we were taught at that time. Pah! He put his hands on my forehead, and he started shaking, you know, giving him a, 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 mass, a scalp massage, you know, like that. You know, it's just, that's, that's, uh, you must have been to a lot of healing service. You lost your hair there, but it's, it's just you know this constant shaking. And to be sure that he was saying the right thing, he started calling, "Oh God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you will conquer them. You will poke through um, um, to man from Moses. You spoke through the burning bush from Moses. You will conquer the land of Cana through Joshua. And he started going through all the books of the Bible, one after the other. And I was earnestly praying for the book of Revelation to come as soon as possible. <laughs> when, he, when he arrived at, at, 
Thessalonians 2, I couldn't wait for Timothy 1 anymore. I said, brother, thank you, I take an aspirin, it would be much better. <laughs> but it's not that, it's not the method, it's not, it's just this fullness, the exuberance of the Spirit that comes out with signs. We had the testimony that when Sarah and, and Catherine were praying for that sister who was ill, it was last Sunday and or last Sunday before, and, and they said they had hot hands, you know, hot hands. Got have, you know, these signs, these signs. We're not afraid of signs. We're not looking after signs. We're not afraid because it's the Holy Spirit is the power of fire, God. Let me pray for you, otherwise I will go for five days and we're not stop. And, and it's going to have a fantastic lunch today. <laughs> Are we ready for that? Yeah. Yes. Let's get it. Yeah. And we drink it and we receive it. You know, it's, 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 it's in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it says, with the same spirit, manifestation of the spirit, different gifts. We all have different gifts. We don't should, should do the same thing. So each one of us is different. Each one of us reacts in a different way. Imagine in your house you have the fridge, the television, the washing machine, the dishwasher, the iron, the, the blender, and the computer, and the radio, and, and uh, the, the CD players, and then power goes off. Boom. And then power comes back. When power comes, each one of these things will react in a different way. The fridge goes, brrr, the washing machine goes on, go on, go on, the dishwasher, brrr, 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 and the computer, bing, gang, gong, and whatever, you know. And, and, and the CD player, oh, so the meal, whatever. You know, and, and each one reacts in a different way. So we are totally different. Thank you, God, for that. We are different people with different characters, different personalities, and different gifts. The gifts you have, I do not have. The different gifts I have, this is the reason we need one another. And then when the manifestation of the spirits come and touch each one of us in different ways. So don't look at what is happening to the guy next to you. Says, No, it's just incredible. And we surrender to the spirit and say, have your way. That's the best prayer that we can ever pray. God be God. Let God be God. He likes that. He likes it very much when he's got his freedom. And Paul says when the Spirit is, going back to 2 Corinthians 3, when the Spirit is, there is liberty. And it's not only our liberty, but it's his liberty to do what he wants to do through us. And then be surprised. 